You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Morning. It's good to be with you as we continue our journey in search of resurrection, power and passion in search for resurrection. And today we talk about Peter, the role that Peter played in Jesus' life in this passion story. Uh, Peter is quite an amazing character. You know, Jesus says, on this rock I will build my church. And at first we think that Peter, that, that Jesus has chosen the smartest, the best organized, the one with natural leadership, the one who can solve problems <clears throat> to lead the church in choosing Peter. And then we keep reading uh, where Peter speaks out of turn. He tries to walk on the water and then glug, 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 you know, uh, I will follow you to death. And then Jesus says, really, you're going to deny me three times like tonight. Right? And we start scratching our head. Of, Why did Jesus choose Peter? Why did Jesus say, on this rock, I will build my church? Sometimes living into Peter's story gives me hope <laughs> as a follower of Jesus. So our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of John, the 18th chapter, beginning with verse 15. It'll be on the screens, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the woman who guarded the gate and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogue and in the temple where the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I, I am not. One of, the, one of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, uh, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the cock crowed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What an interesting character Peter is in this story of Jesus. The rock, the one on, which, uh, on whom 
Jesus will build the church. You know, Jesus took the disciples uh, up to Caesarea Philippi, which was just on the edge between Jewish and Gentile territory, just on the, or as we like to say in the Methodist church, right near the mission field. So right outside of, of the familiar, right to the edge of what was expected. And of course, he asked them, who do people say that I am? And the disciples said, some say uh, Elijah, others say uh, Jeremiah, some say John the Baptist or other prophets. And of course, then Jesus asked them, well, who do you say that I am? And it was Simon, son of Jonah, who said, you are the Messiah. You're the son of God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father, in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church. The gates of death will not overcome it. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, this is a very Genesis thing to do. If you remember, Abram had a covenant with God, and after making that covenant, God changed Abram's name to Abraham, and then offered Abraham a promise of the multitudes of generations. Jacob, Jacob, the, the, the heel grabber, the swindler, the trickster, uh, uh, found himself in a hard place. Surely the Lord is uh, in this place, and I did, not, I did not know it. He wrestled with God all night, and then when the sun came up, God changed his name to Israel and offered him a blessing, keeping the Abrahamic blessing alive with the the, the multitudes of generations. Your story will continue. Here, Jesus changes changes Peter's name from Simon, son of Jonah, to Peter, and then offers a blessing. Upon this rock I will build my church. Blessed are you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And at first we get the sense that Peter will rise to the occasion. Peter will be this great leader. Peter will be the one who marches forward and the disciples will follow him. And then, of course, as I said, we we, we keep reading. And we read how Peter shoots off at the mouth. Peter promises more than he can deliver. Peter says, I will follow you to death, Jesus, and then denies him three times. What was Jesus thinking in building his church on this rock. What kind of leader was Peter? Earlier this week, I had the great fortune of uh, being in Dallas at what's called the CLI cohort, which is the Courageous Leadership Imperative cohort. Uh, There are two clergy from each annual conference in the South Central jurisdiction who have made a covenant together uh, to meet for three years, one week every six months, to talk about, uh, to, to dream about the church. And to see where the church is going, where God is calling the church, and how God is equipping the church to meet that need moving forward into the church. And and, uh, one of the first things that you do when you do this kind of thing, or maybe you're starting a new job, or maybe you're starting a new community, or going to school, you do a personality inventory test, right? You do some kind of personality check, whether Myers-Briggs, or the Enneagram, or Beaver Dolphin Owl Fox, like whatever you're doing to like learn a little bit about yourself and learn a little bit about the people around you. Well, according to these personality inventory tests about leadership style, when I got my test back, um, I was surprised uh, because apparently my leadership preference and my means of sharing leadership basically tests the same 
as a Sith Lord, like Darth Vader. And I was really, I was really surprised by that. You might not be surprised by that. I was very surprised by that. You know, I mean, I like order. I appreciate hierarchy. I appreciate the power of, of, of the chair. But I just might force choke someone and say, I find your lack of faith disturbing. Right? Uh, and that was, that was very... So I plan to meet with the staff on Tuesday during a regular staff meeting and, and apologize for the last uh, three years of empire-driven leadership. Uh, I'm working on it. I'm, I'm working on it. Um, reading Peter's story gives me great hope, you know, uh, because there's an end to the story. Uh, Peter's story is not only about failing. Peter's story is not only about not showing up or running away. There is hope once we get to the story. And this story, about, because Peter, Peter then uh, addresses the crowds and gives a sermon and 3,000 people join the church and he, got, he might have started as a Sith Lord, but he saw the light and grew and, and brought great balance to the force. There's a story in John's gospel, uh, earlier in, in John's gospel, uh, that has a very deep and very interesting connection with the story that we've heard about Peter in the courtyard of the high priest being welcomed in from, from the gate. In other words, this story about Peter might have been told before and we weren't quite aware of it. So this is John chapter 10. I'm going to read this to you. It's not an unfamiliar text uh, for those who have been in the church for a while. It's the story of the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. But pay close attention to the language and the flow of the story. It goes like this. It'll be on the screens for you. And it's also in your Bible too. Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because he knows his voice. Because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, because sometimes we need to hear it more than once. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me. Just as the, fathers know me, the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, with this context of I am the good shepherd, I'd like to read our text today again. 
knowing this text, knowing this context that we've been offered of Jesus' story about the, uh, of the Good Shepherd. And I want you to pay attention to any words or phrases that might now have a bit of a different meaning to them. John chapter 18, our text for today. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple and where Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas set him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, Are you not also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative... (laughs) I just love this. Someone who was in the garden and his cousin's ear was hacked off by Peter says, weren't you just in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the cock crowed. Interestingly, between these two stories, the first thing that unites these two stories is the word for courtyard is the exact same Greek word for sheepfold. Same word. In both passages, there is a gate. The language used to talk about going into and out of the priest's house is the same language used from the good shepherd of coming and going. In Samuel's book, uh, Power and Passion, that the sermon sermon series is based on, he said this, In the Gethsemane story, the walled garden reminds us of the sheepfold. The approach of Judas reminds us of the thief. The disciples huddled in the garden remind us of the sheep in the fold, and the protective stance of Jesus reminds us of the good shepherd at the gate. In the courtyard of the high priest, the beloved disciple plays the part of the good shepherd who walks in and out of the fold. The girl at the gate plays the part of the gate keeper. This, therefore, leaves Peter, the one who runs away in the hour of danger, the hired hand. Of course, then there's the trial where Jesus says, I have spoken openly about who I am. And this is language that Peter would have heard. I am the light of the world. Gospel John has these I am statements. I am the light of the world. I am the bread from heaven. Uh, I am the true vine. I am the way, the truth, and life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the vine and you are the branches. Uh, Peter would have heard this language. And as he's testifying, I have said nothing in secret. I have said it out loud. Ask people who I've taught. Ask the sheep who have heard me. They know my story. I am. And then when they ask Peter, aren't you one of his followers? 
Peter says, I am not. I am not. That language starts to ring true within him. But just like Peter, he says too much. I am not. I am am not. I am not one of his followers. But this is not the end of the story. Thank God. Now, after the resurrection, Peter, James, and John in a sailboat. Peter, James, and John uh, were in a sailboat with Nathaniel and Thomas and two other disciples. How would you like to be remembered forever in Scripture as the two other disciples? It's like the worst gig in the history of ever to be remembered as. And there were others uh, who were there. They were in the sailboat and they saw Jesus on on the lake shore. Uh, And Peter uh, put on clothes and jumped into the water. We don't have time to unpack why Peter was naked in the boat. But he put on clothes and he jumps into the water and swims to the lake shore to, see, to, to be with Jesus. And he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus cooking fish around a charcoal fire. Where have we heard that before? The only other time we've heard that is when he was in the courtyard or the sheepfold. Peter was denying Jesus around a charcoal fire. Peter knows this. Jesus knows this. When Peter sees Jesus around a charcoal fire, Peter says something akin to, oh no, which is probably the censored version of that reaction. What is Jesus going to do? Jesus knows. Jesus knows. But here's here's the thing. Where Peter was denying Christ around a charcoal fire, Jesus was making a meal. He took that picture of denial and betrayal and fear and turned it into a meal to feed them. That's what Jesus does. He made fish for them. He made them breakfast. And then uh, Jesus and Peter have a conversation. Um, Jesus says, Peter, uh, Peter, do you, do, you, do you love me? Peter says, well, yeah, yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. And I can imagine Peter saying, God, thank, I got it, thank you. Amen, thank you. Peter, actually, you know what? His name's not Peter anymore. Something was lost. His name is now, if you read the text, his name is now Simon, son of Jonah. He's lost the title of rock, but he hasn't lost the mission. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Well, then feed my lambs. Okay, I got it. Thank you for forgiving. I got it. Simon, what? Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And at this point, Peter gets offended. That's a little hilarious because Jesus was crucified. And Peter's like, he's offended that Jesus keeps asking him, do you love me, do you love me? He's like, oh my gosh, Jesus, yes, I've already said yes to, it's kind of like, kind of like yesterday morning. Um, Kids woke up at like 5.15 because it's a Saturday. And uh, donut store opens at 6. I went and got donuts. I was back home by like 6.17. With donuts. 
And I go and I present the donuts to Lady Cecilia, my six-year-old. And I open it up. Lady Cecilia, which donut would you like? Her response, you only got glazed? You know, I'm giving you plain Cheerios like you're 97 years old. You can have this. You can have a bowl of plain Cheerios with nothing in it. You know, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Oh, gosh, Jesus, yes. You've asked me this how many times? Once for every time you denied me. Ooh, burn. Right? We, hmm. The church is certainly built on this rock, though sometimes we don't like to admit it. This rock that speaks out of turn, this rock that screws up, this rock that says, we will walk on the waves, glug, glug, glug. The church is certainly built on this rock that when maybe the tough things get tough, we, we deny, we run out of fear, we can't follow. And Peter lost something out of that. His name is Simon, son of Jonah. Lost the title, but didn't lose the mission. Lost the title, didn't lose the mission. Because the church is not built on on Peter, right? It's built on the confession, you are the Messiah, but that confession has two parts. Do you love me, Jesus asks. Yes, I do. The church, firstly, is built on forgiveness. It's built on forgiveness. Look, if Peter, who denied Jesus three times, can be forgiven by the resurrected Lord, then there is hope for us. The church is built on, firstly, forgiveness. Secondly, it's built on being companions. The word companion literally means to break bread with someone. Companion, to break. That's what Jesus does. Do you love me? Yes? Here, let's eat. Let's share a meal. It's built on forgiveness and breaking bread with people. That is our mission. That is our calling. It's a tall order, but that's why every time that we gather in God's house, we ask for God's forgiveness through confession, and we also gather around the Lord's table because that is the mission of the church. Jesus is the Messiah, the one we are called to love, the one we are called to listen to, the one we are called to obey. And because of that, we feed each other. We feed one another. Who, um, who needs to know forgiveness today? Who needs to hear the words out loud, I forgive you? To whom do you need to say them? To whom do you need to say these words? Who needs to know that's here today that they have a place at the table, that they are God's companion, the one God wants to break bread with, the one that God has given room for? May this be our calling. May this be our mission. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, you have given us quite quite a mission in the world. And thank God that mission is rooted in forgiveness and also breaking bread with one another. Give us the courage not to turn away. Give us the courage not to deny. But even when we do, Father, give us the courage to confess so that we might forgive one another. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, 
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.